You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Creatively Human, with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, and make an impact in our own unique way. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to heart-led creatives. Before we dive into this episode, I have a couple of things to quickly let you know about. June and July are busy and exciting months for me. First up, I'm running a completely free email marketing challenge starting Monday, June the 10th. And if you're listening to this late after that date, then feel free to join in now and you can still get the information. It's all about building momentum with your email list in a way that feels completely honest, not icky, and hopefully that just makes it easier for you to make connections with your people and to boost your business. Like I said, it's completely free and you can join in by going to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash email challenge, which is all one word. And secondly, I have a very exciting community project starting on Monday, the 1st of July called The Everyday Difference. Every day of the month, you'll hear from a different creative or business owner who is making a difference in the world, no matter how tiny, no matter how quietly. And my hope is that these stories will empower and embolden us all to believe that our work matters and to give us the courage to share that work with the world. If that sounds like something that would be of interest to you, go to theeverydaydifference.com for more information and to sign up to the project. I can't wait to share it with you. Now, on to the episode. Hi, and welcome back to a kind of bonus episode of Creatively Human. I was going to do this as part of the previous email marketing episode, but I decided to keep it a bit shorter and separate it out. So I'm doing a Q&A in this portion of the episode. I basically went on Instagram and asked people what questions they had about email marketing. So I'm just going to go through them and give you my thoughts and answers. So the first question is, how often should you show up in people's inboxes? And it probably won't surprise you to hear that I don't have a definitive answer for this because I don't think there's any right answer for this question. I think it comes down to a few things. So firstly, you've got to be honest with yourself and think about what can you realistically commit to because it's all very well and good to think that it might be great to show up in people's inboxes every single week. If the reality is that you're going to find that really stressful and that if that stress is going to lead to you just like petering out and not doing it at all, then that's probably not a good idea. So I think it is really important to ask yourself, what do you really want? And if you're new to sending a kind of email newsletter, then it's also important to just accept that it's going to be a bit of a learning curve. It's going to take you a while to get in the groove of it. So, for example, with my email newsletter, I started off writing it once every week and I actually started my email newsletter before I kind of started this podcast and my new business. I was blogging for a little bit and I didn't really know where I was going to take it. So I started the email list with very good intentions. But the thing is, because I didn't really know what I was doing and because I didn't know exactly what I wanted out of my email list like I didn't know what I wanted to give people out of it but I also didn't know what I wanted to get out of it myself personally I found it difficult to stay consistent and I would go ages without writing sometimes 
And then once I got into the groove a bit more, I decided that once a week probably was a bit too much for me. So I changed it to once every two weeks. And that seemed to be my sweet spot for a while. I really stuck to it a lot better. And it gave me the sort of momentum I needed. And once I got that momentum going, the email newsletter became just a regular part of all my work. And now I've gone back to weekly and it's really fine in terms of my workload and what I'm used to. And I know exactly what I'm doing with my email newsletter. And it's just really easy for me every week to have something to say to people. But I'm not afraid to miss one if I need to. And I do do that sometimes. And I'm not afraid to send extra emails sometimes if I have something special going on. Um, Obviously, I don't want to bombard people with emails, but it's totally fine to send an extra email every now and again. Of course, if you're worried about GDPR, which is the data protection laws, of course, I'm not a lawyer, so don't take this as legal advice, but you'll want to make it clear to people when they're signing up what they can expect. So I recommend you don't box yourself in by saying something like, I'm only going to email you once a month or I'm only going to email you once a week. Just say that they're signing up to your email newsletters and from time to time promotional emails and freebies or whatever. And that kind of covers you for everything. So yeah, I don't think there is a definitive answer to the question of how often you should show up in people's inboxes. I think that it's important that people remember who you are and why they subscribed. And I usually ask clients to think about how they react to people's emails. So for example, I'm signed up to several newsletters. I'm signed up to a few from online shops and they might email me like every day with new products. And to be honest, I personally find that a bit annoying. So I'm likely to unsubscribe. I'm also signed up to bloggers and creative newsletters and they email me anywhere from a couple of times a week to once a month or even once every few months. And I find that with all of them, as long as they've got a clear thing that they're saying in their newsletters, I tend to remember who they are, whether they email me every week or every few months. So that kind of makes me feel like it's okay to recommend you emailing within that kind of time frame in whatever way feels good to you and when you do start emailing remember that it's totally okay to change your schedule whenever you want to if you need to it's also worthwhile seeing the response you get it's worthwhile thinking about how you feel about what you're sending and how you're coming up with the content ideas so yeah that is my answer to the question which is basically there is no answer (laughs) but it's important just to think about it and be intentional about it and I would encourage you to try and make a commitment even though that commitment can change try and make a commitment to doing it on a at least semi-regular basis and over time I hope you'll find that it's really really worth it like email marketing at first can feel really slow Um, especially if you've got hardly any subscribers you can think like why am I doing this you don't get that instant feedback that you do with social media and things but trust me email marketing is so powerful it's so powerful in so many ways it's so direct but it's also really great if you're an introvert who just doesn't want to like be talking to people on social media all the time and I think a lot of us probably want to be a bit more mindful about how we're using social media so email is a sort of it's a it's a way to connect with people on your terms and also on their terms because they get to choose who they allow into their inbox and that is a privilege to be allowed into someone's inbox. Anyway, I'm going on a massive tangent about this question so I'll go on to the next question. The next question is how do I generate content ideas and plan for content? Which is a really interesting question and I have um, 
I have many, many ways that I come up with content ideas. But when it comes to my email newsletter, the way I write to my subscribers is a little bit different to the way I would write to people reading my blog. It just feels that little bit more personal. I suppose it's like, not that I do public speaking, but if I did, I suppose it would be the difference between talking to people here on this podcast and talking to a group of people in a room, a much smaller group of people. I guess that's the sort of analogy that kind of highlights the way I see my email content as being a bit different to my blog. And I think because of that, because of the fact that it is a bit more personal, I tend to often write whatever I feel like at the time, things that I'm working on at the time, sort of behind the scenes updates sometimes. Sometimes I will share something that's more like what I would put on my blog. So for example, like a how-to on whatever topic relating to business. But yeah, it tends to feel a little bit more personal. Um, And in terms of coming up with ideas, I have a list in my phone. It's basically the same thing I do for ideas for the podcast, ideas for the blog, ideas for Instagram captions. I have a list in my phone. And whenever an idea strikes me, and the reason I do it on my phone, not on my computer is because my phone's always on me and it's really quick to write it down. So yeah, whenever an idea strikes me, I will write, add it to the list. And I do have separate lists for each of those different types of content. But if there's an idea that I'm not sure where it could go yet, I just put it on a general list. So yeah, it's basically the same as coming up with ideas for any other kind of content. Um, If you're really stuck for ideas, there are some things you can do, like looking at your most popular posts on your blog or Instagram and seeing what people resonated with, noticing the questions that they're asking you. You might even be inspired by other people's email newsletters. And I'm not saying to write the same thing that they've written, but perhaps someone's written something and it sparked an idea or a question. Um, Yeah, sharing kind of personal behind the scenes updates. Of course, it really depends on what your kind of area is, what you're writing about. But yeah. And in terms of planning in advance, I think with my email newsletter, actually, I'm a lot less rigid than with anything else. So not that I'm actually rigid at all with any of my content planning. I have this kind of combination of planning in advance and then picking from whatever I've done in advance and choosing the one that feels right for me in that moment. But with emails, I think I'm even more sort of, I go more with the way I feel at the time. The exception to this rule is when I'm launching something or I have a special event or thing going on. Like, for example, right now, as I'm recording this, I am running a free email challenge starting in a few days. And then in July, I've got a community project going and then I will get a bit more strategic and try and at least tie in some kind of topics with the things that I've got going on because it's just a good way to mention them more and tell people about what you're doing. I do actually have an ebook all about content planning. It's called Spark. Actually, let me give you a proper link for that. It's ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash spark hyphen ebook. And yeah, it's really affordable book, but it's um it's goes into all the different techniques I use for generating content ideas and that can be applied to your emails and blogs and all of that so yeah basically the short answer to that question is it's kind of similar to coming up with blog posts and other kind of content it's just I have a feeling for which would go better in my email list and which would go better on a blog and stuff and that actually ties me into the next question which was how do I choose which content goes in the email newsletter or the blog or Instagram or the podcast 
And obviously I've covered a bit of that already because it's it's often about how I feel. And going back to the first question when, when we were talking about how regularly to send an email, I mentioned how it takes you a while to find your groove with how you write emails and how often you write them. And I think this is really important to mention again here because I think the more you do it, the more you'll get a feel for the role that your email newsletter plays in your whole sort of content ecosystem. Um, you may decide to include specific sort of sections in your email newsletter. Like a lot of people will have like, I don't know, an example, like a book of the week or like interesting links for the week. They might have a theme for the newsletter, write a little essay and include related links related to that theme. You might have, I don't know, a product of the month or, you know, client testimonials. There'll be like little extra things that you can add into an email newsletter to make it more of a multi-layered thing than a standard sort of blog post but yeah in terms of my newsletter and my blog like I said the newsletter is more sort of personal and intimate and I do write a bit differently there and I put you know what I put less pressure on myself in my emails than I do on my blog my emails are really important to me but I put less less pressure on myself in terms of just how I write them the style I don't know it's very very personal but yeah it takes practice and I would suggest that you try a few different things. You try switching things up if it's not feeling good. And when you find the right way, it does feel right. So I've only recently found the right way in my newsletter um, in terms of the different categories. So I have a little essay. I have a little um, a little section about working with me. I have a little section about what's new on the podcast. And then I have a section called the week's extras, which is basically anything else I want to include, which is often links to interesting things or links to stuff I've got going on. And that's it. And that took me a while to reach that kind of format. And it'll probably change again. But for now, it definitely feels right. And then I've got something else to say when it comes to knowing which content goes on which platform. And that is, it's fine to put content on several platforms because the truth of the matter is that we all have limited time and energy. And it's really hard sometimes to think about coming up with the best content for all your platforms. So for example, every now and again, I will take one of my email newsletter essays and publish it on my blog. I don't do this very often because I do want my newsletters to be something special for my subscribers. But yeah, sometimes I'll do that. And then obviously in the blog post, I'll say that it was from my email newsletter and give people an opportunity to subscribe if they like it. I will also often take a little bit of a snippet or an idea from the email newsletter and use it as an Instagram caption. Sometimes I will totally reuse content. Like, for example, I've got a few blog posts that I've actually turned into podcast episodes. Um, And one time I even took one of my Instagram captions, one of my longer, deeper Instagram captions and turned it into a newsletter. So these are just all different examples of how I'm sort of reusing and repurposing and recycling my content. And I know sometimes people worry about it. If it's not like unique to a certain platform, will people notice? Will people be annoyed? I always say just come back to how you would feel if you noticed someone doing that. Or would you even notice someone doing that? Personally, I would not be annoyed at all. I think You know, I support people wanting to make the most of the content that they're putting so much work into creating. So I am a massive fan of repurposing in that kind of way, like not literally posting the same thing in every single place every time, but doing it in a really organic, natural way sometimes here and there. 
I thought of something else to add here, actually, and that's the importance of prioritizing which content does the most work for you because it can get very overwhelming when you're trying to create loads of content for your blog, for your Instagram, for your podcast, for your Facebook, for your emails. It can get really overwhelming. And for me, I know I have to just drop the ball on certain content sometimes when I don't have enough time. And for me, that really ends up being my blog because my Instagram and my email and my podcast are all really, really, I guess they're more immediate, the kind of return on investment. A blog definitely has its place and blog content can do so much for you when it's up there for a long time and people will find it, you know, years after you've posted it. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because sometimes you do just have to prioritise and you do just have to drop the ball on certain kinds of content and that's okay. Anyway, I hope that helps. The next question is what are some of my favourite emails to receive? So I am subscribed to quite a lot of email newsletters and I haven't actually done any prep for this episode so I haven't written it down so I'm going to do it off the top of my head. I would definitely recommend signing up to Paul Jarvis's emails This is business related, but the reason I love it is because he always gets me thinking differently. And for me, things that get me thinking differently are really, really important. Like I like to be challenged on the same old way of doing things that everyone says. And yeah, his email list is really, really good. If you want an example of someone who's doing a really interesting sort of newsletter with loads of different things included, loads of different links and loads of different subjects and who actually has a paid version of the newsletter. So she invites people to sign up, uh, pay a bit extra to get a bit more content. Then the newsletter is Anne Friedman, and you can find that on annefriedman.com. I usually find something really interesting worth reading in that newsletter. I'm finding it really hard to come up with examples off the top of my head, so I really should have worked on this in advance. I'm really afraid of missing someone out, but anyway... I'm going to mention Sarah Tasker's email newsletter just because it is an example of a way to do something a bit unique that's like kind of simple but really useful because she sends out interesting Instagram hashtags and she actually is also an example of someone who does not always send her newsletter out regularly but you don't forget it and when it comes it's useful. So yeah there's that. I also love Kelly Deal's newsletter. She's a feminist marketing expert and that always gets me thinking as well. So I definitely recommend you signing up to that. So yeah, these are just a few examples. And I guess something they've all got in common is there's something a little bit unique about them, perhaps a unique perspective or a unique kind of content. There's loads of other email newsletters that I love and I'm really sorry that I didn't plan this in advance. But yeah, those are definitely some that are worth looking at. So the next question is what are the absolute basics and where should you start? The absolute basics, and I actually did go over this a bit in my previous podcast episode, so I do recommend you listen to that, but the absolute basics are you need to sign up to an email marketing service provider so that you can send your emails properly. You need to have a sign-up form so that people can actually subscribe to your emails. And you're also going to need to have a privacy policy because of the data protection rules under GDPR. So going back to choosing a service provider, I recommend, I mean, you can look around and try and compare all the features, but it does get a bit of a lot because there are a lot of different service providers. So I always recommend you just go with someone that someone you trust recommends. The two that I always recommend to people are MailChimp. And the reason I recommend that is because they have a free plan, although they have just changed it a bit and it's not as generous as it once was. 
But yeah, it's good to have a free option if you need that to get started. The one I personally use and I really like is ConvertKit. And I'll actually talk a bit more about these two options in a question coming up. So I'll go back to that. Creating a sign up form. Yes, there's a bit of tech involved, but you can keep it as like tech free or tech light as possible by just creating a landing page and linking to that. If you can manage doing a bit of code, then you can get a bit of code for a sign up form and add that to your website. Oh, and I should also mention you need to give people a reason to subscribe. So don't just have a form that says sign up for emails or sign up to my newsletter. Think about what do people get when they sign up to your newsletter? What do they get out of it? Write a sentence or two to describe that and include that on the page. And then a privacy policy. You can go to a website called termsfeed.com and you can get a free privacy policy there. Obviously, like I said before, I'm not a lawyer, so don't trust this as legal advice. But yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, And if you use MailChimp, I believe that you can use their privacy policies to keep things easy. And what you're supposed to do is include a link to the privacy policy on any page where you're going to ask for an email opt in. Um, If you go on my website, ruthpoundwhite.com, you'll see that I've got my privacy policy linked right where the sign up form is, which is the way to do it to make it clear when people are signing up in order to comply with these data protection laws. Um, Sign up to my free email challenge because that is going to go over all this stuff and it's going to give you all the links you need. So that's at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash email challenge. And it's starting on the 10th of June. But if you're listening to this after that date, then you can still sign up and you'll still get some information. But yeah, it's a four day challenge and I'm going to keep things really, really simple. So if you're spinning your wheels about getting started, then sign up to the challenge. That's ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash email challenge. The next question was actually about how to create a privacy policy for collecting emails, but I've already covered that. So on to the next one. Several people have been asking me about my thoughts on alternatives to MailChimp because MailChimp has recently changed their free plan. I believe they've changed how they count the total number of subscribers. They've removed some features like automation and basically a lot of people with their current email list are probably going to have to start paying. I still recommend MailChimp if you want a free option because I think it's really important to be able to get started even if some of the features are limited and you can worry about that stuff as you grow. Eventually, I do think having an email list should pay for itself. Like My email list more than pays for itself, so it's totally worth paying. The provider that I use is ConvertKit. And the reason I went with them initially, and this was several years ago, was because they had really, really powerful automations. I mean, they still do have them. It's just that a lot of other service providers have changed and they do have them as well. But yeah, at the time, other service providers didn't really offer that. And I and I loved it because I my philosophy is that I'd really like to just send people what they really want to hear from me so these kind of automations that you tag people with different subjects or remove people from different newsletters so that you can kind of tailor the experience a bit more before I used ConvertKit I did use Aweber for several years they were perfectly fine but I do prefer ConvertKit I kind of like how ConvertKit are really tailored towards bloggers and creatives so they kind of know what we need out of it whereas services like MailChimp and Aweber are a bit more targeted to sort of more e-commerce and things like that but yeah they all share many features the pricing is a bit different ConvertKit I think comes out a bit more expensive but to be honest I really do actually like the ethics and the transparency behind the company Um, Kelly Deals who I mentioned has a really good email newsletter something I've learned from her is to think carefully about where we spend our money in our businesses and if we have the money to spend on a service that shares kind of ethics and values that we do or that is run by women or people of colour 
um, and things like that, then we should use the money we have in our business to support businesses like that. Now, ConvertKit is run by a white man, but the team is very diverse. And I actually follow the founder's blog, uh, Nathan Barry, and he talks a lot about sharing profits with his team and doing things differently. And I just really admire that. So that's another reason why I like ConvertKit. But yeah, whatever sounds good to you out of all that. MailChimp, like I said, does have a free plan. And if that's what's stopping you getting started, then take advantage of that free plan because email marketing is so worth it. Okay, next question. Actually, I think this is the last question. How do you create an email marketing strategy based on what your client needs? Should you do a survey or should you write for the heart and send whatever you want? Actually, I think this question ties in quite a lot with some of the questions I've already answered. I mean, firstly, it really depends on your area of business. But I suppose mostly here I'm talking to kind of creatives and individual business owners. I think you have to find the balance between what you want and what your clients want, because I'm all about building a business in a way that feels good and sort of works around you as you are as a person. So in that sense, I mean, you've got to write from the heart Because if you don't, then you're not going to build the connection with people as you are and you're going to end up stuck in a box of writing a certain thing that isn't exactly right for you. On the other hand, I do actually recommend people do surveys and think about what their clients need. There's a a balance to be struck between what you want and what your clients want. And sometimes talking to your clients directly is the best way to sort of take the topics in a certain direction when you may not have been sure where to go. So if you talk to your clients and ask them questions in a survey, things might come up that you didn't realise would have been useful because it's really easy to sometimes get stuck on thinking that Things we know are obvious to other people, but they're just really not. Like, for example, when I asked questions for this podcast episode on Instagram, a lot of people are asking, you know, questions like, how do I choose which content goes in the newsletter and which content goes on the blog? That's something that I'm interested in talking about, but I might not have come up with myself. So I think the survey is useful in that respect. But yeah, my philosophy is to follow your heart and to be mindful of how it's going. So I'm not one to obsessively track numbers or anything like that but it is useful to make note when you get certain replies when people start sharing your newsletter what gets people talking what gets people opening the newsletters what links are people clicking on it is useful to bear all that in mind and like I said don't worry about getting it all completely right from the start this is something that you're going to learn as you go you're going to get a feel for it You're going to notice what resonates with people and what doesn't. But also remember, even if people don't reply to your emails, it doesn't mean that it's not resonating with them. It's really tricky with email marketing to have that have that feedback to know that it's working. But yeah, I hope that answer helps. Anyway, so they're all my questions. I hope that this has been a useful sort of bonus episode for you. And don't forget that I am running my free challenge on Monday, the June the 10th, but you can join in late if you're listening to this after that date. And you can find the challenge at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash email challenge. It's four days. I'm going to keep things really simple. And by the end of it, I really hope that you'll have some momentum with your email list and that in itself is going to really transform the way you you share your work and you run your business and hopefully it'll mean less time on social media and more time to introvert if you are an introvert (laughs) anyway I'll catch you again soon thank you so much for listening to another episode of creatively human if you have a moment I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast it really does make a difference 
And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.